Live from the heartland and the crossroads of America, it's Tony Katz today. Critical race theory is racism. So is anti-racism. They are shown or discussed or shared as these really important methodologies for exposing racism and bigotry. But what they do is they teach people to see racism and bigotry in everything, therefore leading to the place where everyone is a racist or a bigot. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. 833, got Tony, 833-468-8669. William Jacobson joins me now from LegalInsurrection.com, Cornell Law Professor. He has long written on uh, legal happenings and political happenings and cultural happenings. We bring him back repeatedly as we've gone through impeachment and different issues. But he has built out something that just thrills me to no end, a resource for understanding what's happening with critical race training in education, who is engaging it, and putting together basically a library of places that you can go to understand what it is doing to your children, to your town, and quite possibly to you. William Jacobson joins us right now. Now, the site is criticalrace.org, criticalrace.org. You are there on the Cornell campus. You've been a law professor for years. You have seen, whether it's your campus or maybe other campuses, you've seen this take hold. Give your definition of what critical race training, critical race theory is, and what compelled you to put together uh, this project of the Legal Insurrection Foundation. Yeah, well, critical race training is really um, an outgrowth of a uh, European Marxist doctrine or approach called critical theory. And what it seeks to do is it seeks to identify problems or systemic problems in a capitalist system and use those to essentially tear down and remake the system. And in the U.S., beginning about 30 years ago, uh, there was a heavy focus on race issues as part of that critical theory. It was developed in academia. You might have heard terms like intersectionality and things like that. But what it does, it, it views race as the heart of the American capitalist system problem. Much as the 1619 Project, I think, is related to this from the New York Times, trying to view everything that happened in the U.S. has to be viewed through a prism of slavery. So uh, what critical race theory does is it it assumes or it, it finds race problems as the driving force in almost every aspect of society. And that's what they refer to as systemic racism. Uh, Systemic racism to them is not actually people being racist. It's the entire nature of our system. And anybody who supports that system, they now loosely throw around the word white supremacist. Uh, Because if you support a systemically racist system, then you must be a white supremacist, even if you're not white. Um, and so that is the construct and the, what has happened over time. Um, but particularly since uh, George Floyd died the end of last May, is this was always very active in campuses. Um, and now it is on hyperdrive. And what they're doing is they are forcing this 
um, teaching, and they are increasingly forcing students to take mandatory courses, and the now, courses are about the U.S. being systemically racist. Let's stop right there, because I want to get into that mandatory, but the whole idea of systemic racism, which people take now as a given. As a matter of fact, if you were to say, whoa, 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 what are we talking about when you say systemic? The answer is, well, that right there, you not believing systemic racism is proof of the systemic racism. We have heard Black Lives Matter leaders saying that systemic racism is all around us like the air we breathe. So give me a level of specificity here about what they mean by systemic racism and how this has, and and as you were about to get into, how this has played out on campuses. Well, I think there's a few different aspects of this. The one thing they frequently point to is inequality of outcomes. And that's why the word that is now used is diversity, equity, and inclusion. That is the the mantra on campuses and corporations everywhere. Well, what does equity mean? Equity doesn't mean equality because that, and, and a lot of people don't understand that. Equity is equality of outcome. So if for whatever the reason, blacks make a certain dollar amount less on average than white, that's systemic racism, even if no black person was actively discriminated against. Um, So it's equality of opportunity is not the same as equity and equality of opportunity and equal treatment was always the formation of the American civil rights movement. I mean, the civil rights movement starting in the 60s and the 70s was about treating everyone fairly, giving them equal opportunity, uh, equal dignity without regard to their race. Now it's just the opposite. It's essentially trying to get equal outcomes. But we know that in life, you can't get that. Different people, and in fact, some different groups perform different things statistically as a whole than other groups. Um, And therefore, in order to equalize things, you now need to discriminate. That's the ideology. And in fact, the, the most famous book or one of the most famous books that was a suggested reading at Cornell University over the summer um, is How to Be an Anti-Racist by a professor up at Boston University. And And that professor is Professor Ibram Kendi. I'm talking to William Jacobson from Legal Insurrection. Uh, On another day, we'll get into what it is that Ibram Kendi and people like Robin D'Angelo put out. The real excellent piece from Jonathan uh, Chait, it's not even that I I agreed with with all of it, but just saying, you know, back going back to June, July of 2020, that Robin D'Angelo, who talks about white fragility, is in on the scam. Uh, if you will, I want to get into what you've got on the website here, because when you go to criticalrace.org, uh, you will see uh, links from people at the Manhattan Institute, uh, both uh, Max Eden and Coleman Hughes, and the Manhattan Institute is a brilliant, brilliant, brilliant organization. You've got a wealth of knowledge and and things that that you've put together here. And then you have this recently updated list, and one of them on the list is Arizona State University. Full disclosure, uh, I'm a Sun Devil. I didn't graduate. I I, I have no college degree, ladies and gentlemen. I never lie about uh, these things. But I did go, and from what I remember, I had an okay time. Um, What is it that's going on at a place like Arizona State University that it it, it is now on a list at criticalrace.org. Well, I'd have to go back and look at Arizona State specifically, but what we have is we have an interactive map of the United States. 
And so far in the database, we have over 200 colleges and universities. We're going to expand that out probably to four to 500. Uh, and what it is, you can hover over the map for your state, click on your state, and then you can find your school. There's also another way to search by school. And what we've done is we have simply pulled information, publicly available information from school websites, from school publications, from other things, to inform people what is going on on that campus. Now, we may have over 200, and they, some of them are a lot worse than others. And this is an informational resource when it comes to the school listings, not an advocacy resource. Just because a school is in the database doesn't mean it has serious problems. Absolutely correct. And that's what I wanted people to to understand and see. One of the things that you have listed is the University of Nebraska-Lincoln has exploring options to implement critical race theory into its curriculum. The university's core curriculum to be reexamined to address diversity, specifically race, privilege, and power. No specific changes to the curriculum have been announced yet. So this really is not about going after. It's not about uh, being uh, aggressive, but rather it is a tool for sharing information about what's going on, public information at universities. Yes, this is geared towards parents and towards students. And if you're going to go attend a school or send your kid to a school, this is a very easy way in one place to find out what's going on at the school with regard to critical race theory and critical race training. And you may like what you find there. You may find that there's not a lot going on, and that will be part of your decision. So this is not a database of bad schools. This is a database where parents and students, prospective students, and this is the time of year when people are applying to college and looking at colleges, can go in there and can get information now they could find it frankly on their own but we put it all in one place we've done the research for you and that's the difference and so this is a tool that we hope will get very widely shared and like i said you may like what you find at a particular school and we have that at another school you may not like what you find and that might factor into your decision but we don't have right now, and I don't think we ever will, like a green, yellow, and red light system, which is what you know a lot of websites have for free speech issues and things like that. Not that I'm against that, but I think that's an oversimplification, and we just want to make that information available. But in separate sections of the website, we also give you background on the doctrine, what's involved with it, links to authors, and links to videos about it. So I would view this as an informational research resource, not an advocacy resource. I find that a a bit interesting um, in in that I am absolutely somebody who stands opposed to critical race theory and anti-racism because in doing the research on them, uh, I, I find them to be inherently racist and there is no way for these things to work unless they prove that something or someone is racist uh, and, and bigoted. That seems to be how it is designed. So it, it's it's a lose-lose scenario for anybody who it is, uh, it is pointed at. Uh, what has been the response here, uh, William? What, what have you gotten back from, from this uh, at have people responded positively, negatively? Oh, how dare you? Oh, you're a bigot. Oh, this is wonderful. What are you hearing? 
Well, we only really got attention to it starting yesterday. We, we turned it live over the weekend just to test it out because we have this database and it's interactive. We, but it really only beginning yesterday has gotten any sort of publicity. The uh, feedback we've gotten from people who submit information to us has been very positive. I can tell you one of the major feedbacks we get is when are you going to do this for K through 12? Um, and that's one thing we did consider, but it's a little bit unmanageable and we're thinking it through. So we have 200 universities in there. We'll probably expand it to 500. That's a manageable number. That is a, a database because this has to be updated frequently. It has to be checked frequently. We can deal with Local school systems, there's something like 10,000 local school systems, and each of those school systems has multiple schools. So we're talking tens of thousands of local school districts. And that's extremely important because this has migrated from the college campus where it started down to lower grades. And that's where, frankly, a lot of the action is taking place is in even elementary schools with this sort of teaching. And we're thinking through how can we do that. But that's probably the single biggest feedback we've received, which is that this is not just a college problem. It's also a primary and secondary school problem. And we're thinking about how we can access that information. But we certainly can't have a page for every school in the country when you've got tens of thousands of, of schools. So that's been the main feedback. The other feedback we've gotten has been positive. I'm sure the negative will come. It always does. I'm used to that by now. Uh, but so far, it's been very positive because no one's done this before. We are the only, at, that I'm aware of, group that has put it all in one place as opposed to other websites where you might have a few articles about critical race theory, and they may be very good articles, but we have it in one place. You can hover over the map. You can find schools and you can send us information about what's happening at those schools because not everything is necessarily available easily for us on the Internet. William Jacobson of LegalInsurrection.com, the site CriticalRace.org, Critical Race Training in Education. What's going on at higher education and universities and college that you or your children may go to? Uh, check it out for yourself. It's important. CriticalRace.org. William Jacobson, Cornell Law Professor, Legal Insurrection. I appreciate you taking the time to be with us. More to get to. I'm Tony Katz. One of my New Year's resolutions, even though I don't have New Year's resolutions, is that I plan on doing a story about the Wu-Tang Clan once a month. That's just the kind of show we is. Tony Katz, Tony Katz today. Great story. Crazy story. Over Canadian t-shirts with an altered logo of the Wu-Tang Clan. So here... I got to make sure I'm understanding the story. This was literally just sent to me by my executive producer, Matt. Uh, so the Foreign Ministry of Canada said uh, they, they, they ordered some shirts using the W logo of the Wu-Tang Clan. Uh, rap group. That's what I'd say, Ari, right? Rap group? Oh, you're so hip, yes. Right? Rap group. They, they, they do the rap music? Yes, they hip huh? and hop. Hold on, we have to get to the diner by 3.30, otherwise I can't get the early bird special. Oh, darling. So they order these T-shirts, but instead of just being a W, the group name is replaced with Wuhan. 
right? So so it, it's it's this T-shirt that just says Wuhan on it, and, and instead of just the the W logo from Wu Tang Clan. They're made in China, the T-shirts, ordered last summer by someone at the Canadian Embassy in Beijing. But lately, the story is, is circulating. The critics are saying that the W is actually a bat, and the shirt implies a connection between the animals and the virus outbreak in the city of Wuhan. Right, the people ate bats and, and all that kind of stuff. The Chinese foreign ministry told reporters that Canada's explanation was, and I'm quoting, not convincing. Holy cow. This is not the way I thought World War III was gonna start. But I should have known Wu-Tang Clan was gonna be involved. Give me some more of that, producer Ari. It's more what? Some more Wu-Tang Clan. I, it's really tough to find a good one, but okay. What do you mean it's tough to find a good one? There's some profanity I have to nab. Oh, all right. Well, then you're going to have to do it. It's, it's like old school Bernie Mac, right? I do a line, and then I go, hit it, and then you play the music. Uh, Ber- good Lord, Bernie Mac in his day was... was st- I mean, I, I, I don't even, I don't want to say he was violent. That's not it. it. He wasn't violent. But the comedy was so directly, I'm going to punch you in the face repeatedly and you're going to love every moment of getting punched. Uh, so, something else. The wrongdoing of the Canadian staff concerned has already caused an egregious impact and triggered strong resentment Again, and discontent among the ordinary Chinese people, this from the Chinese foreign ministry. The Canadian side should take the matter seriously and give a clear explanation to the Chinese side as soon as possible. This is, how is this not, this story is so good it should have happened in 2020. No, wait, it did. 30 seconds. We're only, we're only hearing about it now. Ah, oh, but that's nothing, because now Representative Ocasio-Cortez says there were bombs planted around her offices. I got I'll, I'll share it with you. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. I have no idea what she's talking about, and I'm hoping you can give me an answer. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. I'm Tony Katz. This is Tony Katz today. Ocasio-Cortez, I'm sorry, I don't mean to do this to you. Ocasio-Cortez, on on, on the Twitter box, this is the latest manipulative take on the right. They are manipulating the fact that most people don't know the layout of the Capitol complex. We were all on the Capitol complex. The attack wasn't just on the dome. So this starts from... A, a, a piece recognizing, and I haven't been able to confirm this, um, and and I need to. The argument was was that she was not in the dome when quote unquote attacked, when she was attacked, or it was attacked, or she claimed she was attacked. She was at her offices. I mean, it's a good point. That the dome is where you saw people and, and not necessarily where she was. 
she wasn't there. That's what's being said. Now, I'm telling you I haven't confirmed that part of it. But she seems to be doing a little bit of it, saying that you're all manipulating this because we were all at the Capitol complex. The attack wasn't just on the dome. But I think the attack was just on the dome. Do we, did I miss, I'm asking, this is why I'm asking for your help. 833-GOT-TONY, 833-468-8669. You can let me know on Twitter, uh, at, at uh, Tony Katz or, or Facebook, uh, Tony Katz Radio. You can email me, Tony at TonyKatz.com. Were there people inside the office buildings? I don't recall that. I don't recall hearing that. But that's not the part that kind of threw me for a loop. The part that threw me for a loop is where she then said, the bombs Trump supporters planted surrounded our offices too. There were bombs? There were bombs planted surrounding offices? Now, maybe I missed something. I think it's always good to start with a little bit of, hmm, as opposed to, oh, you're just a lie and so-and-so and this and that and the other thing. No, 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 no. Let's, let's, let's take a second. Let's take a second. Let's take a breath. Let's understand what is being said here. You weren't in the dome. You were in your office. Were there people who were climbing the, the, the walls of the dome? In the, I, I mean, I'm, I'm looking for an answer there. Maybe I just don't, maybe I don't understand the layout. But I'm not going to accept her words for it either. But there were bombs? We have, we have, We have a, 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 any a, anyone we have a, anyone confirming that anywhere anywhere uh, I it I, I have no faith in representative Ocasio-Cortez at all in an any way I do not trust representative Ocasio-Cortez anyone who could accuse a senator of attempted murder and not apologize for it is not somebody I should trust. You literally have to be Marjorie Taylor Greene crazy to accuse somebody uh, of attempted murder and think that it's okay. Just saying what is. Just saying what is. So if you could tell me, I would greatly, greatly appreciate it. Meanwhile, President Trump has responded through his legal team, to the impeachment charge. Now, the way this is worded, and the way so many people have worded things, is that it 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 uh, it, it it sounds confusing. And I want to make sure that we are not being confusing, because this is important. First, we're still discussing impeachment as opposed to the trial. The impeachment is what the House has already done. But let me give you part of it. It is admitted that the constitutional provision, provision at a vermin one is accurately reproduced. This is the, the uh, statement of the president's lawyers. 
It is denied that the quoted provision currently applies to the 45th president of the United States since he is no longer president. The constitutional provision requires that a person actually holds office to be impeached. Since the 45th president is no longer president, the clause shall be removed from office on impeachment is impossible for the Senate to accomplish. And thus the current proceeding before the Senate is void as a legal nullity that runs patently contrary to the plain language of the Constitution. Article 1, Section 3 of the Constitution states judgment in cases of impeachment shall not extend further than to removal from office and disqualification to hold and enjoy an office of honor. Since removal from office by the Senate of the President is a condition precedent which must occur before and jointly with disqualification to hold future office, the fact that the Senate presently is unable to remove from the office the 45th president whose term has expired means that a vermin one is therefore irrelevant to any matter before the Senate. The argument made by Trump's team is if you had only allowed me to stay president, <laughs> then you could have actually gotten rid of me. But since you'd said I didn't win, because you know I don't believe you, and 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 uh, I, I left, now you got nothing, Boo Bear. Have a nice day. I don't think they have it, and the reason I don't think they have it again, I I don't claim to be a legal scholar here, and I'm going to address this with the legal scholars, especially as we start looking into the trial, which starts on Monday. Our plan is to cover it for you as much as possible. I'm a big believer that we need to hear these things, right? We need to be on the same page of these things. We need to um, get together uh, on them and make sure we have a baseline so we can discuss them. Their argument is that you have to be impeached and then removed, and it has to happen one, two, but if there is no way to remove, well, then... Um, there's nothing else that can be done. I don't know if that's true. This is not, uh, look, it's not going to happen. Rand Paul proved that the votes aren't there. I'm not in favor of it. Just so we all understand each other. I am discussing whether or not the president's argument here holds. And I don't think it does. Because the impeachment already took place. We are now talking about the removal part. Or really, if we want to get a little more clear we're talking about the conviction part will the senate vote to convict isn't that what they're doing not a discussion of removal but a discussion of agreement or disagreement on the actual charge now to the actual charge this is where it gets i think very interesting that the charge is one of incitement of insurrection as we discussed then and we will discuss now they made a mistake they made an absolutely positively terrible mistake when they went down the road of saying insurrection as opposed to something like dereliction of duty if they had gone into the very concepts of dereliction of duty, well, then they could have had a much broader brush to work with. And one could argue 
that they could have gotten Republicans on board. I know this to be true going forward because when you take a look at what the House managers put forward, trial memorandum of the United States House of Representatives in the impeachment trial of President Donald John Trump, they say so. They've got segments uh, or sections, statement of facts, their arguments, and their arguments are President Trump committed high crimes and misdemeanors. There is no defense for President Trump's conduct. The Senate has jurisdiction to try this, this impeachment. And if you look under the idea of the statement of facts, President Trump refuses to accept the results of the 2020 election. President Trump encourages his followers to come to Washington January 6th and fight to overturn the election results. It actually says that. Vice President Pence refuses to overturn the election results. President Trump incites insurrectionists to attack the Capitol. Insurrectionists incited by President Trump attack the Capitol. That's what it says. And then it is segment uh, section F. President Trump's dereliction of duty during the attack. They now spell it out that during the attack, where was President Trump to protect the nation from invasion? Article 4, Section 4. I haven't even read it, but that's got to be what they're bringing up. A subject we discussed, what, a week ago? Two weeks ago? they They now have. The problem is it's too little too late. If you wanted to go down the dereliction of duty line, which would be, the Capitol's under attack and you didn't send forth, I don't know, some level of military to put an end to this? You had time to tweet, you didn't have time to stop a, an attack on the Capitol? I didn't say you like it. I didn't say you are a Democrat, you know, you know, the Democrats are right. None of that. I am saying that the argument for dereliction of duty would be a far superior argument than incitement uh, of insurrection. That's not what Democrats said, and now they're trying to go back and, and make it that. This is going to be what they argue on impeachment, and I'm not going to give them the argument because they were so damn bloodthirsty that they said, we must impeach and we must impeach and we must impeach here. This is an article, let's go. They didn't take a breath. They didn't care to take a breath. They didn't care about anything except destruction of Donald Trump. Well, now they got to lay with lay down with what they got. I don't think Trump has a good argument. But I know the Democrats have a lousy one, and no one's going to convict. I'm Tony Katz. Ron DeSantis is running for president. Let's just put that down now. Let's let's get that into the bet book, and uh, let's let's wait. 800 to 1 odds he gets the nomination. That's where I would put him right now. But he's running for president of the United States. Tony Katz. Tony Katz today. 833 got Tony. 833-468-8669. Ron DeSantis in Florida, governor of Florida. Remember, Florida has done everything wrong with coronavirus and New York has done everything right or something like that except that they've done good work in Florida. They have followed science in Florida. They did a much better job with nursing homes in Florida. They've done a much better job in distributing vaccine uh, than in Florida than in New York. They just have. 
Well, now Ron DeSantis, he's going on after big tech. I, I don't know if he as governor can actually do this. But what he wants is mandatory opt-outs from big tech's content filters, a private right of action for Florida citizens against tech companies that violate this condition, fines of $100,000 per day, levied on tech companies that suspend candidates for elected office in Florida from their platforms, daily fines for any tech company, quote, that uses their content and user-related algorithms to suppress or prioritize the access of any content related to a political candidate or cause on the ballot. Transparency requirements, disclosure requirements, and power for the Florida Attorney General to bring cases against tech companies that violate these conditions under the state's Unfair and Deceptive Practices Act. I mean... That's just looking at Twitter and Google and and Facebook and Apple and just punching them in the face. Again, I don't know where a governor can actually do this. I don't know if the governor is, what's the word I'm looking for, uh, reaching here. But let it go to the courts and let them decide. You go about doing the thing for the people. Well, he's asked a question about this, is Governor DeSantis. He's asked a question uh, by a, a, a reporter, and he's is discussing uh, the, the issue with, with, with tech manipulation, and that you, a reporter, don't tell me you wouldn't use ill-gotten information or false information against me. In a way that's completely unprincipled, I, they, they mentioned the Hunter Biden. Hunter Biden's story was true. Okay, we now know was true. And the typical corporate media outlets, they just chose to ignore it. Obviously, they wanted to beat Trump. They had a they had a a view on the election. They didn't want to give it any air. So we rely on social media to go around that, not let corporate legacy media outlets control the discourse and let us speak. So you had the New York Post to run it. And you couldn't get any traction. You couldn't get any reach on it because big tech put their thumb on the scale. So that was true. What they said at the time, oh, it was it was it's a conspiracy or it's based on 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 hacked information. Are you kidding me? You're trying to tell me if there was hacked information that could damage me, you guys wouldn't print it. Give me a break. That's a good line. That's a good line. If you're telling me. There was hacked information. Well, of course you'd run it, but it's the way he says it. Patient that could damage me. You guys wouldn't print it. Give me a break. You can whiz on my leg, but don't tell me it's raining. He's running for president of the United States. That is as Donald Trump of a line as Ron DeSantis can do. You can whiz on my leg, but don't tell me it's raining. He's running. Start placing your bets, kids. It, it's a winner argument for him. It lets him go after big tech. Big tech is indeed an issue. There is a suppression of speech. They are doing it on, on a very, very granular level. It is despicable. He's right to fight it. Whether he's going to be able to do so regarding how the courts respond, I don't know. But sometimes you just need the issue, even if you can't do anything about it. He's not the only one running. You see the pack that Nikki Haley is putting together? 2024 is going.
I'm Tony Katz.